What are you? Where are you? Where are you? The middle of Australia? Why do you not have good Wi-Fi? <laughs> no, um, I mean Melbourne. Yeah, but why is the internet suck in Melbourne? Uh, because you know, don't start teasing. Australia is like this. We don't have the best internet, <laughs> and and actually, I have one of the best internet here. So you know. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard your stats um on your on your connection at, at home and, and I'm really jealous of what you have at the moment in your home. So <laughs> Yeah, well I had to fight to get it, so luckily I got it. But uh, there was like some the box <laughs> at the street was not what it should have been as far as the speeds. It was like really slow. And I like just uh, kept calling and calling and calling and getting people to come out and they're like, Oh yeah, it's over there. We could get it at some point, but not right now. And eventually I uh, got it and now it's crazy fast but i'm not even ever here to really use it but when i am here it works great uh, that's good. but i didn't well, hear like yeah. half of what you said because you were just like uh, and like <laughs> so okay, that's all right i I'm heard like all up it. until snake told you to get me uh, and then that was when you cut out Oh, wow. Okay, so you didn't hear anything. No. <laughs> That's okay. I'm just going to recap it. <laughs> okay. So, still told me to get you on Snake. this topic. Uh, sorry, Snake. <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> um, because obviously, what you have been able to do in our hobby is to show, you know, your progression and, um, you know, behind the scene of, of everything you were doing by vlogging and exposing your flight time and also obviously exposing a lot of your private life online. And you've built your image through social media and then you, you are very successful in our hobby, obviously, and you've been able to build a business. So that was interesting to, to look at uh, your profile and compare it with the two other people have recorded um, an episode about this topic already, which are Lexi, Mayon um, High, because she has her own her own little niche on Instagram and, and YouTube, and she's sort of able to create her small little brand in mm. our hobby um, at a smaller scale. And then we had Snake, who totally disappeared. So the the goal of this uh, series of episodes is to. Um, just have an insight on your profile now um, and see how you managed to make all that happen. The risk and reward of exposing your life, you know, online and the mental charge it can bring. Um, yeah, because it's not easy uh, to always have to, to um, provide um, to the audience. Mm -hmm. And I just want to ask you some questions today. And I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I've, I talk about this stuff all the time with my friends, but I don't ever really like discuss it online for some reason i don't know i mean i'm not opposed to it i just no one's ever asked me like what is the how do you deal with having to like you know put forth effort to entertain people all the time like through your social media and then also allowing people into your private life because not very many people do that not definitely not in fpv um and then just mm -hmm. in general like quote unquote youtubers don't really bring you into their personal life they have like a persona that they kind of portray and like they do certain things when they're on their channel but they don't really like you know there are a couple out there and i think those really gravitate towards a lot of people in one way or another because it's relatable but you know like we can talk about it more and i kind of will explain why i do what i do it's not to brag or anything it's literally to just be like this is what i enjoy doing and this is what I'm doing right now. And this is how I'm having fun. And I, I enjoy it. Like, that's why I started my YouTube channel. I've told people this before. It was to 
essentially create like a background so that I could go back in the future and like see what I did when I was younger. Um, and like I use Instagram on a daily basis for that exact reason. Like my stories are literally exactly what I'm doing pretty much every single day. Um, yeah. And then my YouTube channel is a little more disconnected just because I was doing vlogs, like you said, and I really enjoyed doing that. However, it was a lot of work doing it and I wasn't getting any more engagement than I normally would if I just put a flight video out. So it's like, you know, I can go out and fly and like literally work for three minutes and come in and get the same amount of views as if I spent an entire day trying to come up with a concept to make a video about my day and like all the b-roll and all the cameras that I have to go through so it's just like a pain in the ass and I just was like eventually I was over it I do enjoy going back and watching those videos more than my flight videos but I kind of incorporate like some b-roll in the flight videos so it kind of kills two birds with one stone it's still not as cool and I can't use music anymore because essentially everything is copywritten so like making a vlog with no music is so dumb and it's like, yeah. I, you know, I don't make much off of YouTube, but I do make a little bit and I'm not about to just like say, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to, I'm yeah. going to spend all this time and effort, put these songs in here and like make it awesome. And then just like, you know, get those artists paid for all of my effort just because their song. And I might use like three or four songs in a video. So it's just like, you know, crazy copyright. Some countries aren't even able to see it because like the song is on there and it doesn't get any views and it's like what am I doing this for other than if I was just making stuff for myself you know which is what I generally do but again like I said like if I'm going to put a video on YouTube hopefully it will get some views it will be cool and get views like that's the best of both worlds but ultimately like that doesn't usually happen when I do a vlog mm -hmm. just because it's so much effort and if I use a song, it gets flagged and then it doesn't get to as many people and it's just like kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. So I guess um, the first question that I usually ask uh, the, the other pilots on this same topic is, um, what was your real reason when you first started FPV? Uh, what was your intrinsic reason to, to fly? And what was inspiring you at the time before thinking of putting it on social media? Um, so I got into flying FPV initially because I went to a hobby store and saw a big drone on the wall. And someone told me that this dude flies around the world and like films stuff with this big DJI like S800 with a GH4 underneath it or GH3, I think. And he gets paid like a lot of money. And I was in a place where I was about to join the military and I was making like nothing. And I was like 25, 24 years old. I had graduated college. I'd been working basically since I, you know, went to high school, trying to you know, piddling, not being able to hold a job at all. Like most of the jobs that I had, I would, I would have for like three months. And, you know, a part of it was probably, you know, when you're young, you kind of think you're smarter than everybody. And like, I generally would work like really shitty jobs and you'd have like this 30 year old manager that was a complete burnout piece of shit. And you're like, this guy is an idiot and he gets paid more than me. I can't, I can't take orders from this human. So, you know, they tell me to do dumb shit and I would do it in a more efficient way and they'd get mad at me because I didn't do it the way they told me. And then they'd fire me. And I'm like, well, thank you for, you know, saving my life from your stupidity. 
Uh, but yeah, like I was just getting nowhere with jobs and I had nothing to do with my life other than I was like rock climbing and I was teaching rock climbing and stuff. So I was going to join the military because I didn't know what to do. And I found that like drones, this dude, whatever, Bill Grossman or whatever, he could, you know, make all this money flying drones. And I was like, well, that yeah. sounds really easy because I fly helicopters and flying drones is stupid. So why is True. it like, why don't I do that? <laughs> so I like started yeah. researching it and found FPV through like a TBS video and then like mm -hmm. found a blackout mini H quad and then started like watching some flight test and some mini H quad stuff and some quad mover videos. And I was like, this is kind of cool. And FPV seems like it's like this new thing, even though it's not really new, but for mini quads, it was new. And it's like, you're essentially an indestructible helicopter that you can fly for FPV. <laughs> and it's like a lot smaller and more controllable than a wing. Like wings are intimidating. Like I wanted to fly wings for the longest time. And every time I thought about buying one, they were like thousands of dollars. You had to build it. It's made out of foam and you have to like figure out how to launch it by yourself. And I've never flown a wing yeah. before. And I'm like super intimidated by it. And it's a lot of money with a mini quad. It was like, eh, this is 600 bucks, but at least it hovers, you know, I can be a little more cautious with it. So that was what got me into FPV initially was to figure out how to make a career out of flying like camera drones. But FPV was just like a training tool to just be a good pilot so that I could eventually use these bigger drones that like people could barely fly anyways with NASA V2s on them. I was like, if I can fly a mini quad, I can just outperform anybody that's flying a Phantom. So that was my initial goal was to try to figure out how to make a career out of something that seemed fun and fairly easy. And that was, you know, okay. that's the reason. That's interesting. I never knew. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you told me. Um, okay. So that's, that's, that's actually interesting because the the other people I've uh, interviewed didn't have that long-term um, vision of a career. So I suppose for you, what could have been an extrinsic reason for these people? Um, seeing that they could do a career after a while wasn't for you because you already that you already had that goal. So my next question that I wanted to ask you is sort of irrelevant now. <laughs> but um, maybe I can ask you instead, when did you notice that you could achieve your goal by sharing um, not only your flying, but also your personality online? Um, all right. So I'll give you like a brief background of why I started posing on YouTube anyway, like to begin with. And then I'll tell you about when the like light clicked that I was like, hey, I could actually, you know, push myself yeah. through the internet and like become a personality in some way, shape or form. Um, <clears throat> so like I started posting on YouTube because that was like the thing to do amongst FPV people, like in RC groups, which was a forum that was really popular, you know, in 2014, 2015, not even 2015, 2013 and 2014, it was popular. Um, we used to, you know, I'd get on there and like interact with people. It was like Facebook for people that flew mini quads, there was no mini quad groups on Facebook at the time. It was just all RC groups. And I'd go in there and like, you know, I'm watching people like Final Glide Oz and uh, Juz and, you know, Midwest, Midwest Rob and like all these people that are flying. Even Carlos was getting started at this point. Sharpu, for those that don't know his actual name. And uh, <laughs> Ryo Rex, like all these people. And I'm like watching them and they're all flying for blackout. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. I want to be involved with this. It seems like a really tight niche thing. And I, you know, I've been sponsored with skateboarding before and I was like, well, 
you know, this is an expensive hobby. Maybe I can get sponsored with a, with like a mini quad because, you know, I'm like interacting with all these people. Maybe it would be cool if I like, you know, was a good enough pilot to get a sponsorship so that I could at least get free frames because the frames were really expensive. They were like $160, $170 US for a blackout. And like, you know, wow. people complain about that price now, but in 2014, <laughs> yeah. like that was a lot of money, uh, you know, probably yeah. equivalent to like 220 to 240 now because of inflation and just overall crap. And you had to pay shipping from Australia. There was no retailers like blackout was only Australia. You'd had to wait for it to come into stock. It'd be like 50 frames and they'd be gone in 30 seconds. Um, so it was like a pain in the butt. So I was like, maybe I can get sponsored by this company. So I started posting videos to interact with the people more. Cause obviously if you just type, you don't know if you're a good pilot or not. So I started posting videos to kind of show people what I was capable of and also to keep track of my skills. So like over the time I would, you know, I literally filmed my very first FPV flight ever and it's on my YouTube channel. I posted it. So that was the first time I'd ever flown a mini quad and it was in level mode and everything. And I'm just like flying around my parents' house uh, with a Mobius on like 3S on Gemfan 5x4 <laughs> or 5x3s and just like the most underpowered thing in the world. And so I did that for a, a while. And then the point where I like clicked for me, I mean, I did that for a couple years. Like I, you know, 2014 is when I started like mid 2014, I think June. And then like I did that through, it all moved really quickly, honestly. So like by early 2015, I was, I had gone to drone nationals, like in 2014, mm -hmm. I went to drone nationals. So I started in June. I got good enough within like five months to go to drone nationals or maybe it was, the next year, I don't remember when Drone Nationals was. If it was early, I think it was the summer. So it was like a whole year later. But in that that first year, I basically got sponsored by Team Black Sheep. I was the first pilot to be sponsored by Team Black Sheep. I started working at a hobby store, and I literally just interact with people all day online. That was like my cover. You know, I'd be fixing a Phantom, but I'm like talking to people online. And then I got <laughs> sponsored by Team Black Sheep. I interacted with Traffy, and he actually paid for me to go to Drone Nationals. I went to Drone Nationals, like you know, qualified first, like two seconds faster than anybody that had done any laps on this 20 something second track. Um, and then, you know, went in the next day, ended up getting second place in freestyle. And, you know, Chad Nowak and I had the most epic race ever. And I crashed on the last corner and tumbled to the finish line. And I, I probably either would have won or come in second on that race and it would have put me into the finals, but whatever, the past is the past. I didn't yeah. win anything. Um, and then after that, I was like, it's just fast track. I was like working with DRL. I met uh, Chad Capper and I started doing the Road to Riot thing. Um, and then like early, I would say like February. No, I think it was late 2015, early 2016. So like December, January uh, 2015, 2016. I found this guy on YouTube named John Hill. And it's like a YouTube channel. He's a skateboarder. He's like a young dude. He's probably my age, actually. He's around 30 now. But at the time, he was like 25. And I found him when he had like 30,000 subscribers, which was like five or 10,000 more than I had at the time. And I started following him, and he was posting every single day. He was vlogging every single day, and it was like a start to finish every day. And he was like two days delayed or something like that, two or three days delayed. He'd wake up at like 5 a.m., and he'd just do all this shit like every day was just non-stop vlog and is like way more in depth than any vlog I've ever done 
And it was like so much effort. And I just like, this guy is going to burn out. Like, there's no way he's only got 30,000 followers. He's making no money and he's just fucking yeah. grinding hard. So I watched this dude for three months and he went from 30,000 to 150,000 subscribers in that three months. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this dude doing it. And he like kept growing and growing and growing. And like his videos are averaging 30 to 50,000 views, which was a lot for someone with 100,000 subscribers. And uh, I was like, this guy's got to be getting a lot of uh, click through and playback. Like he doesn't have a real revenue stream. There's no way for him to like actually monetize. So, you know, he had merchandise and crap, but that's not going to really do you any good. You might make a couple thousand dollars a month off of like merchandise if you're really mm-hmm. killing it and like really promoting it. But still, you know, a couple thousand off YouTube and a couple thousand off uh, some kind of um, T-shirts or something. You got to really be pushing that stuff to get that kind of money. And it just doesn't really make sense. Like who's going to want to buy a new t-shirt every couple of months. So like the first run you get people excited. And then like by the second or third people are like, I don't really want your shirt, dude. I just want to watch your videos. They're fun. So I was like, yep. well, I have a really easy revenue stream because like everything that I use, I've been flying these like people, these sponsors have been flying their stuff for years now. And like I can do an associate uh, or not associate like a affiliate link. And like, obviously people are going to click through my videos to these places. So like for me, you know, and you're constantly buying new stuff, like with a skateboard, you know, you might buy a new deck or new trucks every couple months. But like, I feel like most of the people that watch these videos aren't even skateboarders. They're just like young kids that enjoy doing stuff. So like for me, I was like, well, you know, I have a lot of people in the age of like 15 to 40 that want to fly FPV and FPV is not a cheap hobby. And they're going to be buying parts all the time. And like they usually want to buy like what I'm flying because they're inspired by watching my videos, I guess. And then I was like, well, this is just easy. Like I don't have to do anything. People aren't, you know, doing anything different than they normally would do. They're just clicking through the link that they found in my, my video. So it's like not hurting them. It's not hurting anybody. And I'm making a little bit of money off of it just because people got inspired by my video and wanted to know what I was using. So I was like, well, that's like an easy way for me to start using this as a monetizing platform. And then, um, so I guess in early 2016 is when I started like, Hey, I'm going to vlog. I'm going to do three days a week. I'm going to do one Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I did that for like a year. Um, and I, and I, the guy, the reason I think John is extremely cool is it felt like it was just like you hanging out with him. And that was like how I wanted my videos to be. Cause I always want to come off as someone who's very approachable and like real. I don't want to like put on this persona where people see me online and like, well, you know, that guy's just fucking acting like that. He's a complete asshole in person. Like I want to be exactly how I am in person on my videos, like maybe a little bit more exaggerated in certain scenarios, but realistically like camera on me or not, like I react like I do regardless. It's like, it's just funny to me. I scream and do all kinds of stuff, not on camera, <laughs> but it's just even yes. more ridiculous when I do it on camera. So, um, I just try to be myself and that's like how John was, at least that's how I thought. I mean, I don't know. I've never met the guy, so I can't tell you, but it seemed very genuine and that's how I wanted to portray my channel. I didn't want to have this persona and be like this hidden character that, you know, nobody can talk to. 
Um, so, you know, up until that point, I was literally reacting to every single comment I ever got on YouTube, like interacting with my fans and the people that looked up to me or at least watched my videos. And same thing on Instagram, like very approachable, trying to just interact with people, being real to them, like how I would treat anybody. I try to treat everyone like I would want to be treated, even when people hate on me in the comments. I literally will reply to them in a like, you know, come on, do a little research before you say what you did because it's it's fucking retarded like i mean that's a bad word <laughs> these days but it's literally so stupid you didn't look into anything you didn't understand the context you don't understand these things so what you're saying is negligible uh, or not negligible it's it's completely inconsiderate for what's happening and you're just spreading negativity there's no reason for it so you know i try to reply or not reply to these people or hide their user just because i don't like dealing with people like that um, mm -hmm. but so over time I started vlogging and I felt like it was, you know, people were really responding to it because FPV people, I, I looked at it like this and I know this is a long story. I'll let you talk here in a second, but <laughs> I looked okay. at FPV people like, and I know this is going to sound weird and dumb, but to me, FPV didn't really have like a personality to it like everybody had these online personas they were like oh i'm whatever name i'm you know tr trippy flippy 102 and that's you know trippy <laughs> flippy 102 and he's got you know i don't know pink eyelashes and that's his thing <laughs> and he screams yeah. and he like you know does a does a cartwheel every video and that's like trippy flippy 102 and it's like yeah. nobody cares about this guy because he's just this he's just putting on an act basically like mm -hmm. people will do it but they didn't really like have personalities that were approachable and a lot of people didn't want to be approachable they wanted to have like this an 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 anonymity i guess yeah anonymity yeah. Mm -hmm. so and like especially sharpoo all the like big dudes were like completely not approachable from a a normal fan like if a 15 year old kid wanted to interact with Carlos it just usually wasn't gonna happen and it wasn't because Carlos was a, a bad person or mean or just you know didn't have time it was just because he literally just didn't have time I guess is the real the reality of the question like he this is wasn't his full-time job and he wouldn't just go online and be like oh hey how's it going oh yeah, let's like yeah. have a 10 minute conversation with some random person that I've never talked to or seen before in my life. I have no idea how old they are, what their gender is, anything. Like, so, you know, to me, it was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to treat everybody like, like I would, I, I would treat them like I met them in person and we were face to face. I know that's like hard to imagine or it's not hard to imagine, but it is if you deal with people on the internet because, you know, it's really easy to go on Facebook and just talk shit to somebody you don't know. You might go look at their profile picture and be like, oh, look at this fucking dumbass. This guy's got a whatever Camaro and he's like sitting on the hood. This guy must be a douchebag. Like, regardless of what they physically look like, which is the dumbest shit ever, like you're going to judge somebody because of their profile picture, like go fuck yourself if you're doing that shit. Uh, you don't know this person. So I would try to interact with these people like they were a new person that was coming up to me face to face, especially somebody that's coming to me. It's like they went out of their way to find my videos and then to send me a message. 
and now I'm interacting with them. And if I have the time to sit there and read their message, then I generally have the time to reply. Assuming it's not just like, hey, Mr. Steele, you're amazing. Thank you. Or like, I don't reply to that because it's like I get so many of those. But if someone like has a genuine question and like I feel like they're be asking in a genuine way and it's not just some, you know, fanboy situation where they're sending me a message to see if I'll reply, like some shock factor. Um, then yeah, I just like, will talk to them like a human and interact with them. Like give them the time of day, I guess is the thing. And that's what I've always been about. Like I try to give everyone the time of day and that's why I generally don't like going to events because I do that the whole day. And it's like, yeah, it's not that I don't care, but when I talk to like 75 people and I give every single 75 person the time of day and I, you know, I have to ask them a question and genuinely be interested in what they're saying and then react in a way that's like realistic. Like I have to share a conversation with these people and it's not a burden or anything. It's just exhausting after you do it 75 times. And I think eventually it gets like people look at you like at the, at the end of the day or something and they're like, Oh, he's just like fucking being an asshole. Look, he's not talking to anybody. And it's like, no, I'm literally about to, my brain is melting because I've been talking to people all day and like interacting with people and trying to just share a real moment with every single person that I meet. So it's not a, it's not easy doing that, but I try to do it as much as I can. So for those of the people that have messaged me and I've responded and I know through Instagram, I do, I talk to so many people, um, that probably would never get through to anybody else just because it's like, it's just so random, like people commenting about my story and like, it's in the, I don't know if you know on the, I'm sure you have it on Instagram. There's like the, the people that you talk to. And then there's like the other section, the, the 99 plus unread section (laughs) that you have to go into (laughs) to look and see who's sent you a message. So like I get probably, I don't know, 30 to 50 new messages from people that I don't know a day. And I go through those and I look at them and I'm like, Oh, what's this guy doing? And I click and like, I'm on my phone a lot. So, you know, I'll click in there and like, see what they said. And if it's, you know, something responding to my story, then I'll, you know, I probably, I might not reply, but if it's like someone saying, Hey, like I saw that you got that, like what happened to this? And you know, I might go in there and reply, but then if they try to have like a 15 minute interaction, like I can't do that. So I just try to be as realistic as I can. I'm like, Hey man, you know, a lot of people understand and I appreciate it, but generally I spend a lot of time chatting with people on Instagram and it's, I would say, I don't know what my average on Instagram is, but I would say it's three to five hours a day. That's a lot of time. Yes. So anyways, go ahead. I've been talking for like 10 minutes straight. (laughs) That's great now, but you know, I've also been smiling for 10 minutes straight because everything you say brings back memories and even memories of my first interactions with you. And it's exactly how it felt. You know, the first time I wrote to you, I don't remember what it was about. I think it was about a movie probably from a story you had shared. And then you answered like, yeah. And I felt like, oh, it's like he knows me, you know, like it felt like there was no barrier. And for an audience, from an audience point of view, it's it was very interesting and unseen. Um, yeah, if I can, yeah, I think probably unseen from other people I had contacted in the hobby before. And plus it was the, the, the year of you were doing lots of vlogs. So it totally worked in terms of creating that relationship with your audience, but the genuine one as well. It, it totally worked because I, I felt in 
myself and I can relate to what everybody else probably felt at the same time too. So my next question, you're going to be able to speak again for 10 minutes if you want. <laughs> is okay. obviously I'll, you, I'll try not to. <laughs> you can. Um, you, you give a lot of yourself and you just mentioned it like when you go to events or you just said four hours a day speaking to strangers on Instagram. I actually remember you said one day you literally passed out at an event because people kept talking um, to you and you had to go to the emergency <laughs> or something like this. <laughs> um, so to what point, like was there a moment in your life or a period of time you specifically, you specifically remembered as you were uh, being... Uh, burned out you know like completely over it in some ways and feeling like like you were o you were almost um, uh, losing the passion for the hobby because of that yeah um so you know when I guess in the last six or seven years since I've been doing this as far as like burnout I have like bouts of maybe like two to three weeks when I feel like I'm kind of burned out on something but it's not that I'm burned out on FPV it's more that I'm like burned out deal like interacting with certain things like whether or not it's a video I posted uh, up and like so many people are you know being anything negative really is it like gets to you I think a lot of people that don't post things online like it takes a lot to post something that you've created on the internet for other people to watch and judge. So, you know, for those of the people that do create things, um, there is, there's like this first barrier, um, when you, you're not known and it's like just your friend group that is judging you. And they're like, regardless of what you post for the most part, you're, you're going to get positive reviews just because, you know, it's your friends and they're not going to be assholes to you and say what you're doing sucks. So even if what you're doing is mediocre, when you post it online, like, you know, your friends are gonna be like, yo, that's pretty dope, actually, that's kind of cool. Or they might not say anything, and that's better than saying negative things, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it'd be one thing if your friend didn't say anything versus going, yo, that fucking song sucks. You need <laughs> yeah. to stop writing music or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. That would, like, literally melt someone from posting anything ever again. They would not do it. Like, the, the amount of people that would post something after that kind of criticism is, like, one in a thousand people would do that. So um, until you've become somewhat interacted with with an outside group from outside your friend group, you don't really know how to, you know, what kind of criticism to take personally or, you know, you, you say you're not going to take it personally, but ultimately you do regardless of what it is. Like I could post a video of my cat doing something and someone could be like, yo, I don't like cats, bro. I like dogs. And it's like, <laughs> why the fuck did that person say that? And it's yeah. like, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter at all. Like who gives a shit if this dude likes dogs and not, he doesn't like cats. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I have a cat. Fuck that guy. But you think fuck that guy. And then all of a sudden that's the rest of your day. And you're thinking about this fucking dumbass that said something negative to you, regardless if you had a thousand plus interactions like positive interactions it's the one negative interaction that you get that will mess with you so like you know i i used to wake up i mean i do this now i just don't do it in the same order like generally when i wake up in the morning i will you know i just, just get on my phone immediately i start going through and like usually i check instagram dms and i check like 
you know, if a post I posted the day before is doing well or however, uh, however I'm doing, I, you know, talk to people on Skype and on Discord and all kinds of stuff. So I check all these things. I used to wake up and check my YouTube comments. And that's like the worst thing you can do because YouTube is a lot more anonymous than like Instagram. Like I don't have too many people that send me negative things on Instagram, but on YouTube, like they just feel like I'm this unattainable thing, especially on like videos that go kind of viral where you get like idiots. Like when you make have a video that goes viral, you are literally just subjecting it to the dumbest idiots on the, the internet. So, you know, when you start breaking the like 50 to 70,000 view mark, yeah. everyone that comments on that thing after that is an idiot. <laughs> I don't know who, I don't know who organized this algorithm, but it's like being exposed to a complete different genre of people that have no idea what they're looking at. And they're just like, mm -hmm. I don't know what's happening. I'm going to put a negative comment. That's what they're, the first thing that comes to their mind. So like recently I've had this video where like I'm chasing Von Gittin Jr. like in a drift thing and doing a drift freestyle. So he's freestyle drifting. I have no idea what he's doing. He doesn't even know what he's doing. And then yeah. I'm freestyle flying, trying to keep him in frame. And so I'm like, you know, doing flips and stuff to try to change direction and keep him in frame. And like idiots are seeing this and they're like, hey, why are you so twitchy? Why don't you just fly behind the car? Why did the car hit that other car? And all of these things are purposeful. Like every single thing in the video was on purpose. He hit the, yeah. the van on purpose. He ran over the grass on purpose. Like all of these <laughs> things are on purpose. But because these idiots are seeing and they have no context and they're not smart enough to read anything, they're not going to read the comments. They're not going to read the description of the video. They're not even going to look into who Von Gittin Jr. is or who I am or watch any of my videos. It's just like, I'm on fucking Instagram and oh, YouTube video. And then they yeah. just click on it and it's like 30 seconds of playtime and they're like, I got to comment something negative. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Calm, like calm down. So yeah. uh, that's like who you're dealing with when you start getting a little bit more following. Um, and, you know, if you wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning and you read some bullshit that some idiot posted about a video that you put a lot of time and effort into to put on the Internet. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, it'll put you in a mood regardless of who you are. You, like, it'll get to you. It doesn't matter how much you think you're like, oh, I'm strong. It's not going to get to me today. I'm going to fucking look at my YouTube comments. Nobody's going to get to me. Like, I guarantee you, one negative comment, you're fucked. Like, you're going to be thinking about it for hours after that. I don't. It might not kill you all day, but you'll be thinking about it for sure. You'll be working out, like doing a bench or some shit and be like, fuck that guy. And that's just like negative energy that you're going to deal with for the rest of the day. So yeah. when you're talking about earlier, like burnout, I go through little, little hints here and there where I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to do this today. I'm not going to fly. I don't feel like going out. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And I think the reason why, and I'll keep all of this kind of short so you can get your next question in is, so like, I have a lot of other things that I do in my life that I, that really inspire me and I enjoy doing them. Like I'm really into automotive sports. I love cars. I love driving. I love the interaction with how the road, you know, feels in the car, different cars, how they interact with the road, how they feel, how the engines, like how they work. I like to work on cars. It's very therapeutic to me. Um, I also rock climb, which is something physically exerting. Like I do this passionately. It's very, it's like a puzzle. I have to go and I have to understand how to fix this puzzle. And I treat climbing exactly like I treat FPV where 
you know, in climbing, there's this thing called on-site climbing where you have no understanding of the route. All you can do is look at it from the ground. And as soon as you touch it, you have to climb it to the top without falling. And if you do, then you get consider that's an on-site climb. If someone tells you like what a hold is like, or they tell you like how to do a certain move or something, then it's not an on-site climb anymore because you know something about it. And that's called like a red point climb. So it doesn't matter how many times it takes you to climb. Or if someone just says, Hey, around the third clip up there, there's a really good hold. Like as soon as someone says that, and you know that it's not on-site anymore. And the idea of on-site is like being able to climb something by just looking at it from the ground and deciphering it, like all of the moves, understanding where your feet are going to be and how you're going to position your body in all these situations where you need to get, you know, to conserve energy because these things are very difficult and the harder it gets, the harder it is to on-site things. So mm-hmm. I've always treated climbing and FPV the same way. So like my FPV ultimate end goal is to be able to quote unquote on-site every single place. So when I go to a new place, I want to be able to fly every single trick exactly how I want to fly it without crashing. So that's how I've trained my FPV life. And I've, mm-hmm. you know, I climb like that too. I enjoy on-siting and flashing things where I don't have any understanding or I do it first try and I just put in all of my effort. And, you know, if I fall cool, I'll do it again and like end up doing it. But ultimately like that first go, it's very satisfying to do. And that's how I treat FPV. So like having these other passions, that, you know, will get me physically exerted, like, you know, whether it's working out or rock climbing or even working on cars and driving cars. All of these things are very mentally stimulating. I also am into music as well. I play guitar and sing and all kinds of weird stuff. I've been playing in a band for a long time um, on and off, and now I'm actually playing a lot more recently. We can talk about that later if you want. But uh, all of these things help me when I'm not feeling FPV, because I can go do these other things. And I think that's the biggest difference between me and the other people that are in FPV that have like burned out. Because when you get into FPV, like to make this a career, you have to put in everything you have. And then if you put in everything you have, then you kind of, you know, push those other things that you used to do to the side. And it's a balance of like, you know, putting in a lot of effort, but also keeping this other thing on the side that you can put your mind into when you're really frustrated with the thing that you're putting all of your effort into. Um, and like, that is, I think the only reason that I have been able to stay consistent. And that's really what it comes down to. It's just being consistent. It's not that I post every day or I post every three days. It's that I still post like most people post. And then they're like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to go like visit my grandparents and not post for a month or two or three or five and six. And then it gets harder to post the longer you wait. And it's like, you just got to, it doesn't matter. It's like getting over the fear of being judged and just post something and keep it consistent. Like just keep posting. It doesn't matter if you think it's shit or if someone else says it's shit, just like post it and like just wash your hands and walk away and like move on to the next thing. And I think that's the hardest thing for most people to do. Yeah, it's super interesting everything you said. You sort of started uh, on the topic of my next question, so it will bring us to a sort of other question. <laughs> um, I didn't read these com- questions, but I like know <laughs> them. <right? laughs> for um, for a comparison, and it's not to bring it back to 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 me, but sort of I, I can only talk about myself, right? Um, people have asked me, especially in 2019. Uh, where I was gone like wh- where did you go what happened and somehow 
when you mentioned that it's important to have things on side of FPV to still be happy in your life, that's what I missed at that moment in my life. So long story short, what happened is I visited you and a lot of people in the US. I was feeling like super pumped and everything. Came back to Australia and my personal life became like very not fun at all. <laughs> and and then FPV became harder because I was part of ethics. And ironically, what was, you know, the best thing that had happened to me in FPV um, up to that day became also a reason of, uh, it, it became a reason for haters to hate. And I suffered heaps from from the hate that they directed towards of me just because I was part of ethics, which to be honest, it sucks because I loved being part of your project. But somehow, just like you said, if there was even one or two comments on YouTube saying, oh, you're a sellout or uh, this kind of like criticizing even ethics, which was a concept I, 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 be I still believe in, by the way, but I was believing it super hard at the time when we started. It just hurt me way too much. And on the side, I had nothing to 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 help. Uh, my life at home was shit. My life at work was super hard. Um, I, I was selling drones, but the, the conditions were, were hard. I was doing almost everything. I was editing videos for the business I was working for while selling drones and talking to customers. And it was impossible to do that. So I guess that's why I, that's the moment where I, I burnt out and never really recovered, at least on YouTube. That's when I decided that YouTube was too toxic and too hard to handle because I realized that if you're not consistent, as soon as you're not consistent, you just don't do the same. You know, people watch less, mm. they get less notifications. Then you still put some hard work, but the algorithm is broken. So um, this is why I, I, I was saying uh, to Snake this morning in the other podcast, we, we recorded the other episode that I'm, s I'm, I'm admiring you and I'm admiring how you were able to be so resilient to, yeah, the hate in general. And um, yeah, just saying that what you mentioned, I want to emphasize that it's super important to have uh, other things to do in life. And that's, that's the key, I suppose. So that was just my insight on what happened to me as well in comparison with you. But my next question was, um, hold on, I had I had my next question uh, <laughs> ready. <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh, yes, it was um, because you have these side activities. Um, what's what's your proportion? Like if we want to compare how much energy you give to FPV, your business and um, your, your vision for your career and your brand, um, how much time do you dedicate to this and how much time do you dedicate to the side things that helps you stay healthy mentally and physically? Okay. Uh, yeah. So like a, a ratio breakdown <laughs> of like what I do. Um, so yeah, I think people are going to be slightly, um, what would the word be? C not confused. They'll be intrigued by the amount of certain things so like the ratios i think will be a lot different mm -hmm. than most people think <laughs> before i do it what do you think the ratios are okay oh, God. so i'll give you it's some con i'll give say. you like um, four things and then you can you can give me the like what you think my the ratios are all right <clears throat> so mm -hmm. one would be okay. flying like actually flying one would be mm -hmm. social media. We'll just mm -hmm. like lump everything into social media. 
two would be or the third one will be like ethics and then the fourth one will be like and when i say ethics i'm talking like product development and we'll just lump in all of like my sponsorships and everything into that one so like and if, if i'm interacting with impulse rc because you know i'm invoicing them for a sale amount or something or i'm developing a product we'll just lump all that into the ethics category and then the last one will be like cars yeah. climbing and um you know like daily shit like you know working out or doing whatever so <laughs> we have flying fev uh social media product development slash sponsorships and then um like personal life outside like doing climbing and stuff that's that's a tough question because uh, i've seen you at some stage in real life and i saw that you were still able to do a bit of activities on the side but maybe when i saw you you had time to spend time with other people and do other things so it's tricky i'm, not, I'm gonna try to ignore the fact that i've spent at some stage almost a mm -hmm. month once with you so we're gonna say I'm going to say, if I didn't know from what I see on social media, um, the majority, in my opinion, would probably be ethics and social media to the same percentage. So 25 and 25, that's already 50%, right, isn't it? No, so a bit more than that, 30 and 30%. So that's a total of 60. And then I would say, <laughs> oh, I know. Your video is like freaking out. Did your phone run out of data? <laughs> uh, no, it shouldn't. I hope it does. No, no, it's it. It should be okay. Okay. Can you still? Yeah, I think it's back. I don't know. You know, it's it's Australia. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so I left probably when I was trying to guess. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you said the majority would be yeah. ethics and social media. Yes. And then, so probably like 60, 65% altogether, and then probably another, I don't know, another 20% of um, flying, and then the rest of side activities. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard okay. to tell. So 65% <laughs> ethics and social media. Yeah. And then? 20 flying and 15 um, doing other things. Okay. Okay. Um, so... Yeah. I'll just go ahead and right now or tell you right now, flying yeah. is like five percent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think people are very surprised that flying is five percent. Um, okay. Maybe less, honestly. Like I fly probably once every ten days. Wow. Okay. And when okay. I say once, it'll be like. It could be two batteries or it could be 20, but it's like mm, once okay. every, you know, 10, 10 to 15 days, I would say. Um, I, I do, I mean, certain times a year I will fly more, but like generally as like a general rule of thumb, if like someone's not in town or I'm not like somewhere special, it's like 5%, like one, once every 10 days. So it's funny to me when people are like, yo, you're looking kind of rusty or something like that. I'm like, dude, I haven't flown in like a month. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like I was flying pretty good for not flying for a month, um, but whatever. So uh, as far as that, so I've got 5% flying. Um, and I would say ethics is probably... 
So like dealing with sponsorships and stuff like that, like there's a lot, like I have so many different people that I've, that I interact with. So like, you know, I have Thunder Power, I have uh, Impulse RC, I have Fet Tech, I have uh, HQ Props, like, you know, product development with all of these people. Um, and uh, TBS, of course, different things with ethics and Eric, uh, you know, Eric and I work on different things as well. So like, you know, ethics has its own product development outside of TBS. And then um, we'll have like whatever, like, you know, the radios and all these things that I'm working on with TBS that are just constantly in the um, in the mix. So I would say that's like 10 percent. So like, hmm. you know, I'll spend it doesn't take me that long to like interact. Like, you know, when I talk to Sean, I might be on him. I might be on the phone with him for two hours, once a month, maybe once mm -hmm. every two months. And then like all these other people that I'm interacting with, for the most part, I'm just sending emails back and forth. And then I just wait and they email me back like the next day or two days later. So like, it's not really that much time, but I do have to dedicate a lot of thought to it because like every time I, you know, interact with someone new, especially on a product, like I have to interact in a way that I have to think about what the product is and then I have to like figure out what they think the product is going to be. And then I have to figure out how to manipulate the way that I say what I want to where they will understand exactly what I'm saying, because sometimes there's language barrier. Sometimes there's, you know, so such a time difference that like I might say something and then, you know, the next day they get it and they're like, yeah, I get it. And then two months later, a product shows up and it's not what I thought it was going to be. So, you know, this developing stuff is more time consuming. So like the amount of physical time that I actually devote to it is probably like more than that, like 10 or 15% because I'm constantly thinking about products. But as like physical time, I would say like less than 10, like five to 10%. Um, but again, like, it's like, I'm thinking about this stuff in bursts where I, you know, I'll talk to somebody and then for like 12 hours, I'm like nonstop thinking about that thing. So, you know, 5% flying, we'll say 10% product development and ethics. Um, mm -hmm. and then I would say, so we're at 15%, I would say 35 yes. to 40% of my life is social media. So, okay. Most of that is Instagram. Um, I would, yeah. if I had to break it down, I would say like, well, I said 35, I'd say 30% is Instagram and five to 10%. We'll just say 10%, 40, so 40 total. So 30% is Instagram and then 40% is, you know, YouTube, TikTok, uh, whatever, any other social media, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, like there's a lot of time spent doing that stuff. Now, obviously you see it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like you see my stories, like I have my phone with me and I'm thinking about funny TikToks or, or not funny TikToks, funny Instagram stories and like sharing something that's, you know, yeah. usually inspirational in some way, shape or form or comical. Those are generally my two go-to things. Like I don't give a shit about sad or whatever. Like I just share what I'm thinking and either it's a video or something hilarious that I've found in my general life. So 40%. Social media, 15%. I don't even know if it's that much. We'll say, yeah, let's say 30% social media. So we're at 45% right now. And then 55% is the rest. Like that's, that's my personal wow. life that people get to see on Instagram. But like generally it has nothing to do with FPV. It's 
you know, interacting with people that I've known for forever, like trying to inspire them or give them ideas. Like ultimately my goal is to show that what I do can be done and it's accessible. Mm. Like when I post pictures and stories of my cars and like the things that I have and the things that I do, like I used to get comments like, oh bro, like you're just fucking living with your parents. Like where'd you get that money? Blah, blah, you're just like smooching off this thing. I don't get those comments anymore because I think people understand now what I'm portraying and it's not that I'm trying to boast that I have these things. It's the fact that I got these things doing what I love and I'm enjoying them in a way that isn't really, it's not the same way as if you were to just like, you know, get gifted it. Like when you earn it and you build something that you're proud of and then you're able to live out your childhood dreams, like having these cars and stuff and living in my own house by myself and having zero debt is like something that I only ever thought I would dream of growing up in a like mm-hmm. middle class family. My parents, you know, both combined probably made less than $100,000 a year my entire life, which sounds like a lot of money, but in America, like you, mm-hmm. you're kind of just like middle class, maybe lower middle class at that point. Um, you know, I went to public school, I went to community college, like I just live like a normal low budget life. I made $20,000 a year or less from the time I was 17 years old to the time I was 26 years old. So like everything I ever did was more fortunate than a lot of people. And someone's going to say, Oh, you know, you grew up in America. You have all these opportunities. Like I don't have any control over that. I'm just letting you know Mm -hmm. that I wasn't able to go buy my dream cars when I was 20 years old. So like being able to do that now at 31, based on something that I created over the course of the last seven years and hard work and something that I'm passionate about and proud of, I didn't go exploit my baby on YouTube of them opening toys and make millions of dollars. I do the thing that I <laughs> like to do and I enjoy what I do and I'm able to make yeah. a decent living at it and I'm proud of it and I want to show people that this stuff is attainable if you really want it through doing something that you love. And uh, I have influenced a lot of my friends to do this. Like I have multiple friends that like saw my success and what I'm doing and they're like, fuck man, if he's doing that shit, I can do that shit. I know, I've known him since I was 10 years old. Like I know who he is and I know that I can do the same thing if I just put my mind to it. And like a good example of this is my buddy Nick uh, that I went to middle school with. His name's Nick Ward. Um, they have a company called Taxi Garage, which is a company that makes uh, crazy carts. I don't know if you know what a crazy cart is. It's like an electric power drifting thing. And they have a company called mm-hmm. Taxi Garage. And it's essentially, they modify these crazy carts that are made by Razor. And they like beef them up and make them crazy, literally. And... Um, <laughs> They, they're called Taxi Garage and they're based in Fort Lauderdale and, you know, they've made this ridiculous business and he's like hanging out with Logan Paul and like going to Puerto Rico and doing like nonsense stuff. And two, three years ago, he was working on cars like that was his life. He just worked on, I mean, he liked to work on cool cars. He's never had a shitty job, but like, you know, working on Corvettes in Florida in 110 degrees or 100 degrees, 100% humidity 
with no AC. Yeah. Like that's not what you want to be doing when you're 40, 50 years old. So he like, he was trying to figure out how to manipulate his, you know, his understanding of cars and his understanding of business and figure out how to make money doing something that he enjoyed. So he got into this crate, he got into crazy carts and started modifying them and just basically doing what I was doing. He's like, well, Steel started with these shitty drones and then like modified them and made them cool and then started selling the stuff that he did to make them better. I can do that with these. And now they're like this successful business that's just exponentially growing. And like, you know, I went down there at Fort Lauderdale and stayed with him for like a month and like tried to help him understand the business and like how to like do this business model. Uh, like how do you use social media to create this business? And, you know, social media isn't as easy as everybody thinks it is. Like, you know, when you come at it from the back, like the back court or whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, whatever, having a hundred thousand followers on Instagram is really easy to do. You just post some cool shit. Like what is cool? Like you don't know what cool is. No one knows what cool is. Like obviously there's like viral where you go out and you film something that happened, but you'll only get lucky doing that stuff like every once in a while. You can't just like continue to create that. Or if you're like one of these pages that reposts all these super popular TikToks, like that's a way to get a lot of followers. But who's proud of that? Like, oh yeah, I got a million followers on Instagram. What do you What do? You do? That must be so cool. Yeah, I just repost TikTok mm-hmm. videos. Like no one gives a shit. Like, yeah, you have a million followers, but are you proud of it? Who are you? No one cares. They just want to see these videos, you know? So it's like building yeah. a persona is hard to do. And like, I try to share that in a way that, you know, you can do this and it's being genuine and trying to interact with people in a way that makes them feel like you're a real person rather than just like mm-hmm. being this special human that no one can talk to. Um, so, you know, that's the way that I've always portrayed myself, which is, I try to just be as real as I can be. And that's ultimately, I feel like I have achieved that. I know when people comment, I get people sometimes are like, Oh yeah. Like I went to an event and I spoke to steel and he sat down with me for 30 minutes and just listened to me tell him about whatever I did this weekend. Like who, if I'm looking at this, like I think about this all the time. Like if I was 20 years old and I was looking up to somebody like a professional skateboarder or something like say Eric Costin or Tony Hawk, I'll just say Tony Hawk because everybody knows who he is. And you went to a skate competition and you walked up to Tony Hawk and you said, hey man, you want to hear what I did last weekend? Do you think he would sit down and listen to you for 30 minutes? Like that interaction would never happen. And Tony Hawk's obviously a lot bigger than me. I'm not saying I'm Tony Hawk or anything. But I'm just saying, like, when you look up to someone, there's, like, a certain bubble that you put them in. And if you meet Mm -hmm. your hero and they're, like, a real person that talks to you, it doesn't even really, like, register until later. Like, when you talk to somebody that you've looked up to for a long time or that you aspire to fly or be like or whatever, it's, like, cool when that, that you just, like, get to spend time with them and they don't just shrug you off and say, yeah, whatever, I don't, I got this shit I gotta do, I gotta go eat. I can't fucking spend time with you. Yeah. I got to go eat. You know, I can't, like, I will go all day without eating because I won't, I don't want to rub anybody the wrong way because that's not how I would want to be treated. If I was like a 16 year old kid walking up to my, you know, idol, I like, uh, it's funny when people tell me that they're like, you're my idol. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I'll talk to you. I don't care. Like, what are you up to? So, you know, that's just how I've tried to portray myself to people that look up to me and you know ultimately watch the content that i put out and 
want to interact with me in some way, shape, or form, whether that's through social media or if they want to go to an event and talk to me, then yeah, I'm going to sit down and talk to you. And I probably have shrugged some people off in the past, but it's not because they didn't try. It's or it's not because they tried and I pushed them away. It's because they just you know were hiding in the shadows, maybe because they didn't want to talk to me or they felt like it was a burden or whatever, like just come up and say, Hey, and we can have a conversation. I don't understand. It's not that hard. Yeah. I think you're doing great. And we can tell you're a good person, you know, at heart, uh, at least that's my opinion. And if people disagree, well, I think they're wrong. <laughs> you're um, wrong. <laughs> Cause it's exactly what she said. You know, when, when you, you're definitely inspiring in, in many ways. Um, when I was in the hobby, when I was more active and starting the hobby, I uh, was watching your videos. Um, you were still with Roto Riot at the time. And I was thinking one day I'm, I'm going to work so hard on my channel that I'm going to be able to meet all these guys. And, and I'm going to be not friends, but, you know, I'm going to meet them and we're going to have a good time. And it happened because you sort of you were showing the behavior to have for things to work out. And I didn't invent anything. I just sort of showed i remember one day you did a live um you did a live instagram and you were saying just just be yourself and and people you the person you you present to people is going to be yourself um the, the the you know the parts you use on your drones it's the one you you choose not the one you you choose by default it's the one you believe in um all these kind of things being genuine online that was pretty much your motto and it appealed to me as a person too I was like yeah that makes sense why would you be different what would you create you know a personality that you put online and I think when I did that for some time on my channel it worked and then <clears throat> I got rewarded because I, I achieved my goals in the, my small goal in the FPV you know community I was super happy um, to obviously get to travel the world and meet all these people meet you it was I was like yeah I did it and somehow when FPV fell apart for me somehow because, I, you know, reasons. It still helped me. This mentality and this inspiration still helped me in my life. And I knew forever that I always wanted to become a photographer and videographer professionally. And I kept, you know, hanging to that dream. And then there was some time, probably luck was a little bit involved, you know, being at the right place at the right time, that you need that a little bit in your life. But because I had this mindset of, if people have done things that have gotten them to where they are now, so what you did, why couldn't I do it too? So that's what happened actually these days. I, we haven't talked for ages, but uh, I'm, I'm doing a job that I love a lot and um, I, I don't feel like I'm working anymore. And that's where I wanted to be in life one day. I wanted to um, not necessarily have my own business, but go to work even if I work with someone and be like this is amazing I'm gonna have a great day and um, that wouldn't have happened I think if I hadn't had the the experience uh, the YouTube experience that people like you um, inspired me to have so thanks in a way <laughs> just I mean you're welcome I guess I didn't do anything <laughs> you you did it you did it all um my final question for this topic is um, is very straightforward as well. Is you've been able to, to, to sustain such a rhythm of life up to now, which is, you said it earlier, I think seven, seven years or something. How long, well, first off, what, what's next? Like, how do you see yourself in seven years? And do you think um, you, you will get where you want 
to be by doing the same things? Do you think you need to refine some some things in your everyday life to be able to sustain such a rhythm? Or do you think you have found something that is pretty much working and will work for the next following seven, 10 years? Um, so 10 years is a long time. Uh, seven is <laughs> even a long time for me because it's like double of what I've been doing now. So if I think back beyond seven years before, like what was yeah. I doing? I was like spending all of my money that I made in that, I spent multiple years of salary money to like build mm -hmm. this eight hundred dollar two forty that I had. I had like a two forty yeah. SX that I basically bought for eight hundred dollars, and from the time I was seventeen to like twenty four, I put every single mo dollar I had into it. It was like I think I had fifty thousand dollars in that car when it was done, like said and done. Mm -hmm. um, and I sold it for eight, so it was a good <laughs> investment, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so you know, like seven years is a long time. Uh, I think I've grown a lot in the last mm -hmm. seven years. I would say substantially in the last four, um, four years, even like considering COVID. I, I mean, COVID to me, everybody is like, where did the last 20 months of life go? Like, I think people yeah. feel like it went by really quickly. Um, and it did. And at the same time, like I felt like, I didn't do anything, but I did so many things. It just like time just flies and you don't realize that it's flying and mm -hmm. you're like, wow, um, it's April or it's, it's October of the year that you just went into. So it, it like goes by so quickly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. All right. So five years, you know, I have some, I have some like five year, 10 year goals. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hitting them faster than I thought, okay. but I'm like having to reevaluate what that, what my goals are because I'm for the most part, like financially I'm achieving these goals a lot faster than I thought I would. So I'm having to like reevaluate that, but I have some like personal goals that I would like to meet at some point, but like some things you just can't, you can't really like go out and find someone to have kids with. I mean, you can, but I'm very picky. So <laughs> I, uh, I don't even know if I want kids like, but that's a goal of mine is to ultimately find someone that, you know, love is a weird word, but you know, that's all I think in my personal life, the people that I've like really had emotional feelings for that we broke up. Mm -hmm. Ultimately that's like what kickstarted me into these things. Like I could tell you right now the dates of like not the actual dates I'm not that creepy but like the general <laughs> times of when I like say someone I was dating and I broke up and like I can guarantee you for like a month or so I was a little slow but then like after that the like the level was just brought up like I just said mm -hmm. you know what I'm not going to be sad anymore and I'm going to figure out how to increase everything whether it's mm -hmm. like content output or you know financial goals or whatever i'm going to do i'm going to increase everything like happiness uh, standard of living everything i'm going to increase to the next level and i attribute that to like these rebounds not like girl rebounds or relationship rebounds but like rebounds of where your life goes in a hole and then it bounces back out and it's like even higher than it was before mm -hmm. so some people like fall into a trap and they just stay there forever uh, and you know, like they may some at some point 
go back to like their neutral level, like whatever that median level was. Um, but I like, I feel like once I hit a certain median level and I get really happy, mm-hmm. it, it's like, I don't know how long it's going to last. So I just like try to, I try to take it for every moment it, when I'm super stoked and like just loving life. I'm like, wow, okay. Like it's going to end soon. I don't know what I'm going to do, but something's going to happen. Like I'm going to meet somebody that I really like, and then that's going to put me in a weird mood and then we're going to break up and then I'm going to dip down and then I'm going to shoot back up. And like, I always just try to live. It sounds like girls are my main problem. Um, but (laughs) generally the concept of my life is I have no, no worries. I don't really have, I have zero regrets. I have no worries. Like I don't worry about like, don't worry about money. I don't worry about friends and family, like all these people, I don't have drama in my life. So like when I deal with hate on YouTube, it's like, that is the drama in my life. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't, you know, I'm not waking up every day saying, Oh no, my friend got in a fight with his other friend. And now Mm -hmm. this is like hurting my life in some way. Like I don't deal that. I don't deal with that. I don't have people in my life that are dramatic. So the only really the only drama that I ever deal with is like when I get emotionally involved with somebody because, you know, when you put in a relationship, you have to, you have to give and take. So like generally, you know, my life is a little different than most people's. Like most people that you would hang out with are like, you know, they have a nine to five job, mm-hmm. you know, they have a dog, they have like a family. Like I have a family, but I travel a lot and I have a job that is unorthodox. Like I can... Mm-hmm go for a month and come back and then not do anything for three days. And then I'm on my phone every single day for like a week. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of unorthodox. So I, you know, I have to give a lot to try to figure out if this is going to work. And I'm, you know, I know what I want. So I, I try to find that out quickly. And if I don't find that out quickly, then I, I, you know, it doesn't work out. And if I do find out what I want quickly and they decide that they don't want to work out something, then it's like, Hey, this is gonna, this is gonna, gotta end. And generally, if I put in some emotional effort, uh, it can, you know, it weighs on you regardless of how much you put in. You, you know, yeah. it, it could be like you dated for th- two weeks, and then for like a week after that, you're like, what happened? I don't know. Well, if you dated for like two months, then it like might last for a month. I don't know. It just depends. It's kind of a ratio, like how long you're invested, how much effort you put in versus how long you're gonna deal with it later. Um, and you know, I don't really. I don't do a lot of, uh, like, I don't, I don't know. I've dated a lot, but I don't, <laughs> I don't deal with a lot of these things on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. it takes me a minute to get over it. And ultimately like those things where you're high on life and you're just stoked. And then I'm like thinking, Oh, well, you know, it'd be cool to have someone to share this with. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, I don't I know how to fulfill that goal. So that's kind of the only goal that I'm a little hesitant on, like shaky. I don't know. I'm like, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. I can yeah. control everything else, but I can't control any, I can't control another person. So, um, that's mm-hmm. like one of my five to 10 year goals is like to meet somebody and decide if I want to have children or not. Cause I'm like okay. 31, you know, probably like to do that before 40. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's like the only goal that like is constantly in the back of my head. Like, Hey, when are you yeah. going to do that? You're only, you're only getting older, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and it's harder when you get older. So, uh, yeah, that's the only goal that I like, don't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. But as far as like other goals, like climbing goals and, 
whatever, like financial goals. I kind of set myself up financially goal, goal oriented where I'd like pick an item that I want. I don't know what it is, like say a house or a car or something. Yeah. And I try to attain that goal. What I, I mean, not at, at any means necessary, but like I try to attain that goal within a reasonable amount of time, like maybe less time. We'll say like, hey, last year, you know, I made this much money. Well, I want a goal that's whatever, one and a half that times, like one and a half times that much. Yeah. So how am I going to do that? Am I going to wait a year and a half or am I going to do something to figure that out before that year and a half mark where it would take me that actual amount? I don't know if that makes sense, but it does, you know, I try to attain these goals in a way that, and sometimes they just happen. Like, I don't even know some like this thing this year, for example, um, like the car that I just bought, I've like Mm -hmm. wanted it since I was 10 years old, like since 2000 or year 2000, I guess I like (laughs) really got into nine 11s, um, Porsches. And like, I used to play this game knee for speed and need for speed hot pursuit and i was like infatuated by these cars um and then in like my, when i was 15 16 years old uh i just like would drool over them it's just like completely unattainable for me you're like 16 7 years old this is a really expensive vehicle and like you can't afford the insurance even if you could buy the car so yeah. um yeah like this year i bought my lotus and i was like this is great but mm-hmm. ultimately i'd like to have that porsche that i can't you know can't attain Mm -hmm. uh and i don't this is kind of a weird conversation i'm just like telling you about my my goals and my random shit but um (laughs) i like it so i uh (laughs) i was like traveling out to vegas i'll give you like a brief synopsis of what happened this summer so i was Mm -hmm. dating this girl that lived in vegas Mm -hmm. and um i drove out there because i i like want to buy a second house somewhere i I don't want to live in georgia my whole life and I was kind of in a position to like maybe buy a, a rental or something like that, like buy a duplex and live in one side and rent out the other side as like a financial mm-hmm. investment of some sort. So I was like, you know what, Vegas sounds great. I got friends that live out there. I'm dating this girl, whatever. I'll go look at some houses. So mm-hmm. I flew out there, hung out with her and like did some stuff, um, looked around, went climbing, like the climbing there is like world renowned. So that's like another incentive to live there is because the climbing's so good and it's pretty much uh, year round climbing as so you can go up to like Mount Charleston, which is about 45 minutes away. It's like 8,000 feet elevation. So it, like you can cut the heat out during the summer mm-hmm. and it's like three hours away from LA, which, you know, I do a lot of work in LA or at least I did a little bit and now I do a lot, which I'll get to. Yeah. So I drove out to Vegas with my parents. Um, and I got there and it was like 120 degrees every day. And I kind of expected that. I wanted to see how shitty it was. I'm like, if I'm going to live in Vegas, like I need to know how hot, hot is. So yeah. I'll go like in the worst time of year ever. So I went there in like May, June, um, and I had an Airbnb and I got out there and like, there was some weird, like rocky stuff. Like it was all great. Like we had dated for like a month or two <laughs> yeah. and I got out like right before I left, literally I had booked the Airbnb. I spent like $3,000 on an Airbnb for like a month Yeah. because I was just planning on hanging out, like whatever. And like right before I left, like the day before she called me, she's like, Hey, this doesn't feel right. And I was like, what oh. does that mean? Oh. And like no explanation, just asked yeah. me if it felt right. And I'm like, I'm about to drive across the country and stay there for a <laughs> month. And you're asking me right now if it feels right. It feels oh, right wow. to me. I don't know what your problem is. 
So uh, anyways, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm driving out there anyways because I'm mm-hmm. bored at home. So my parents offered to go with me. They were like, fuck it. We'll go with you. Whatever. We don't mm-hmm. want you driving across the country by yourself. Yeah. So I got in the van and my parents got in the van and we booked it across the 10, like stayed a couple days, like looked at some places. My parents have been looking at or wanting to buy, like wanting to move somewhere. And I was like, you should check out Austin, Austin, Texas. Um, and we went to like Baton Rouge and uh, Houston, Austin, Texas. And we stayed in Austin for a day or two. We actually went beyond and went to this little town called, um, I don't know what it's called, like Kingston or something like that. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe it's something else. Anyways, and then we went to like El Paso, Texas. Or El, yeah. No, El Paso. Is it Texas or New Mexico? I can't remember. And then over to Phoenix and up to Vegas. And we stayed in all these cool places and different hotels and like kind of spent a week doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Got to hang out with my parents. It was a really cool cross-country trip. You know, we're sitting in the van. The van only seats two people. So like there's somebody (laughs) sitting in the back in a chair, like just hanging out or like having conversations. Yeah. And I'm like super anxiety ridden because I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm driving across the country in a van to meet, you know, my friend in 120 degree weather. And then this girl that I was dating and I don't really know what's happening with it. Like, mm-hmm. are we going to make up? Is it going to be cool? Like, whatever. So I get out there and like no word from anybody. My friend's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you your space so you can go, you know, look at houses is what you wanted to do. Right. So I was basically alone in Las Vegas. So I started hanging out with like Slat and all these other people and we were flying around and like just having fun when we could because it's so hot. Yeah. Uh, I was able to like contact the Airbnb lady and she was able to get someone to book the last half of the month. So okay. I got my money back for the half of the month. But before that, when I was leaving, she was like, oh no, you're going to have to pay the whole thing. And like, I'll try oh, to wow. rent it out. Maybe someone will rent it. But if they don't, then you're going to just be out the money. And I'm like, okay. So I was like, fuck it, I'll just go. So I got there and I stayed there for two weeks and she was able to rent the last half of the month out. So I got back like 1800 bucks and mm-hmm. um, just so happened that Eric called me, Conasty, mm-hmm. and he's like, yo, I got a job up in Santa Cruz in like on Saturday and I was supposed to check out on Friday from this Airbnb. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's convenient. And he's, I was like, does it pay? And he's like, yeah. I'll get you I'll get you some money whatever just come out here and hang out mm-hmm. so and Eric's always been there he's been like that's really why I like Eric so much and I, I really respect him is he's one of these people that it doesn't matter what I'm going through what he's going through he's just there and I, I try to be the same for him and that's kind of why we've been such good friends and I was happy to have him be a business partner with ethics was because he's just been someone that's been there for me regardless like I have so many friends that if they sense that I'm in a bad mood they just like fucking avoid me like the plague and that shit's like (laughs) it's cool but like I don't trust you at the end of the day you know like I'm not I'll hang out with you but like I know that if I if my life fucking shits the bed like you're not gonna be there for me so there's only so many people in my life that I really really respect and trust um you know I would say like less than five really uh and there are so many cool people out there, but when shit hits the fan, like people got their own problems, you know, but Eric's always been there for me. And I don't even think he knew I was like in a, I was kind of like a little messed up from this whole, like driving across the country to meet this or to hang out with this chick. And then her just not talking to me at all, just like straight ghost mode. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he called me. He's like, yo, I got this true thing in Santa Cruz. Let's hang out. So I literally like left on Friday and drove from Vegas to Santa Cruz. And I drove out to this thing called Cambria, which is on the coast of California. 
And then I went up the one, which is like that far west, you know, the farthest west road that's on essentially the shore the whole way or the coast. And I drove up that and it was super cool in the van. Um, and I stopped in Santa Cruz and then, you know, ended up meeting him and we worked on this job. And mm-hmm. so this whole time I'm like, you know, kind of anxiety ridden and a little not myself and I'm working with Eric and I'm trying to just be, you know, he's, he's a good person to be around. So when I'm yeah. around him, I'm not exactly like fully super anxiety ridden, but I'm a little not myself. And I start flying and he's using this Komodo rig and, uh, I'd never flown a Komodo before. I've seen people fly him and like, I wasn't really interested because it's just so big and heavy and like the money wasn't there. I think like, you know, Johnny FPV was starting to fly them and then like some other people were starting to fly them mm-hmm. and like they were getting decent rates, but like normal people trying to get these things, you got to come up with the gear and it's like $6,000 for the camera and then you got a $2,000 lens and you got a $1,500 drone that you hope is going to work. I don't know. I don't trust the ESCs. And, um, anyways, like he borrowed one of Tommy's and we were flying it and it looked pretty, pretty chill to fly. So I started posting pictures of me on this job with this Komodo, right? Like I hadn't even flown it. Yeah. And people were like hitting me up like, oh shit, are you flying Komodos now? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, but I can. <laughs> like, well, I don't know what you want. So anyways, that job ended. And then my friend Chad Daring, which is a guy that I've known for like five years now, he, uh, he used to work at HeliNet, which is a company that does like full-scale helicopter stuff with cameras in, in LA. And he left uh, there after like a couple years of working there, moved to like Florida and Virginia. And then he moved back to California and started working with this company called Lightcraft, which is mm-hmm. uh, the company I've been working with for the last three months. Um, anyways, Lightcraft is like this, uh, you know, it's like a camera, it's a drone-specific production company. Okay. So. So like we service provide for anyone that needs drone stuff. Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, they want an Alta with a Gemini or a, a Monstro underneath it, which is like a big $80,000 red camera. And they want mm-hmm. like Panavision lenses and they want to have like $200,000 flying in the air. Like they have all the gear and do that. Um, anyways, they have all the gear for FPV too. They have like, you know, 10 rigs with FPV that are all set up with Komodos and they have like six cameras and like crazy amounts of lenses and they have all the gear. So he's like, Hey, we have this job coming up and all of our pilots, which are Vanover and Blake, which is nub FPV and uh, jet FPV, Jordan Timken, not okay. yeah, it's just jet. Mm-hmm. And anyways, those guys, they're all going to go do DRL and we don't have a pilot to go on this feature film in new Orleans. Yeah. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and then he's like, well, you know, just come down to LA and fly this Komodo and let me know how it is. And then I'll just send you on this feature film for two weeks in, in Louisiana. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I drove from Santa Cruz, went to Yosemite on the way down, like went to LA, met up with them, flew the Komodo, flew all the different rigs they had. They have like these ducted rigs that are called Finsters. And then they have like these big rigs. There's like jets frame. And then they have like Sicarios and crap like that. Um, flew it with all the different lenses was like, Hey, like this is just a mini quad that weighs six pounds or whatever. Yeah. So they sent me on the set, you know, I go down there, I work on that movie. I come back, they put me on another movie, <laughs> come back and I just keep getting put on films and I keep getting put on jobs and it's just like nonstop. And I'm like staying with Chad 
and like I'm not even there. Like I'm, I'm, my van is there, but I'm just like gone on trips and it's been like nonstop for the last three months. Okay. Um, and the reason I decided to do it was because the money was actually there. So when you start flying a real camera, like people start to respect you. Like when you show up on set with a GoPro, people mm. are like, you're charging like how much for flying that thing? That's a toy. Like I can do that. But when you yeah. show up with this big deadly drone that will chop someone's head off, they're like, oh shit. That dude's flying a chainsaw. We need to respect that. Let's have a safety meeting real quick. So it's kind of like this big deal when you're flying a Komodo, uh, even though it flies a lot less. Like with a GoPro rig, you go on a set and it's like, you know, you might fly 20 batteries in a day. On a Komodo, generally, you're flying like maybe five, maybe maybe six, ten, maybe six to ten at most. Um, and I'm doing jobs where I'm flying like 30 Komodo batteries in a day. Like I'll be just ripping some, I mean, the batteries only last like two to three minutes, but I'll be flying, like we were flying some finsters on this one job and I flew like, they didn't even use, they use 1300s, like their 6S and they use 20 in parallel. So it's like 2,600 milliamps. Mm -hmm. We flew like at least 40 batteries, like 40 cycles. So there was 80 batteries that were cycled. So, you know, two on each set and they only fly for like a minute and 10 seconds because they're using this big ass 15 millimeter lens. So like, you know, I'm flying a lot and it's very mentally draining because, you know, you're dealing with these people that are coming in on this particular set. There was like a new dude that would come in every 10 minutes, a professional athlete. And like, I have to do the exact same thing that I did with the last professional athlete with this dude. And he has never seen a drone before. And we got 30 minutes to do it. And he's doing 30 miles an hour on some ice. So mm -hmm. I got to like figure out how they react to it. And I got to, you know, manipulate what I'm doing to try to sit with what they're doing and not scare them and so anyways it was like a all these jobs are different but yeah. the money's there and it was like i'm gonna do this while i can and i just thought it would be like you know a couple jobs and then it would be over mm -hmm. and now it's just like non-stop and okay. uh ultimately i'm like really happy because not only am i able to make pretty good money doing something that i really like to do on top of creating ethics and like that being residual income as well but like this thing just came out of nowhere. I had no idea. If you told me at the beginning of this year, you're like, hey, you know, you're going <laughs> to, I don't know, just be like doing feature films here in the next couple months. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so it's just been like a whirlwind of ridiculous uh, possibilities and experiences in the last four months. But like all of that, again, came out of like this, <laughs> super low period in my life like I was like really low like that point it wasn't even that I like I don't know if you've probably been through this before but it's not even the fact that you're sad that the person rejected you or something it's like more along the lines of like what did I do wrong and I don't know what I did wrong so I'm like trying to figure out what happened mm -hmm. even though I felt like everything was going great you know I'm taking making a lot of sacrifices it's like I have a lot more to give than this person is giving yeah. and yet I got rejected. Like it just didn't make sense to me and it just doesn't, I don't know. It's just a strange concept. So, you know, when I was dealing with that, I was like super anxious. Um, and I did during this process find out that you can take a pain reliever. <laughs> like you can take <laughs> Advil or not Advil, like a leave. I was taking a leave. I didn't, I just mm -hmm. took it one day cause I had like sore joints. So I also had this thing when I, I got COVID earlier this year. Mm, and ever yeah. since I got COVID in, in January, my uh, finger joints were like super inflamed. Like I couldn't even bend my index finger halfway down. Wow. 
So like okay. when I would hold my hand up straight, I'd try to bend my index finger down and I could get it like that much, which is like, wow. I don't know, a Ridiculous. couple millimeters. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And like, I had all these tendon issues that were outbreaking. Like my forearms were starting to get super sore. I had like really inflammatory golfer's elbow and tennis elbow in one okay. arm. And I had like all kinds of weird shit. So, um, you know, I was taking anti-inflammatories for those things because I was in pain because my fingers were fucked up and I'm just climbing like normal. But because of all the inflammation I got from residual COVID, this is like months later. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just wasn't going away. Um, so yeah, I was like taking a leave, but moral of the story, what I was saying is I took a leave one day and I was like super anxious mm-hmm. and just like hurting. And I took it and I was like, Whoa, I can think <laughs> it was strange. Like, so like emotional pain, your body literally like processes emotional pain, like it does physical pain. I never knew that. I thought it was like two different things. So like I was emotionally in pain, but I took a pain reliever and my brain was like, hey, you're good. I'm not seeing those signals anymore. So you can go do (laughs) shit. So I'm not saying like OD on a leave if you've gone through a breakup or something, but you know, it did help. And I I used it for like a week or two and I was like, wow, this shit works great. I can think. So it got me out out of the rut. But then ultimately like that low period of my life, was su- surpassed by this ridiculous amount of shit that happened and mm-hmm. all of it was just kind of blind luck honestly but yeah. you gotta like once you see an opportunity i guess the moral of that story is if you see an opportunity you gotta just do it you gotta yeah. like take the opportunity you can't just be like yeah whatever i don't feel like doing that like i could have just stayed in santa cruz and hung out in my van mm-hmm. i didn't want to really drive to la to drive to fly a big fat mini quad but yeah. I did. Yeah. And it ultimately led to six, three months later, like me being able to do something that I've been wanting to do since I was like 10 years old. So yes. it was kind of crazy. Yes. That's, that's a good moral of the story. It's all about mindset being at the right place at the right time, I think, but also making things happen as well, because you can have opportunities um, any type of opportunities you, you, you don't consider first because you think oh, it's not worth it, but you don't know what can come uh, out of them in the long term. So, well, I'm glad that's a nice uh, that's a nice story. Well, not the breakup part, but the the happy ending is still a nice <laughs> a nice thing that happened to you. I had no idea that's what yeah. happened because I saw your car and I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> well done. I'm happy for you. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah and like i said i don't boast or anything like i'm literally just like what the fuck is happening to me this is mm-hmm. so cool that i'm able to do this that's yeah you know i think that's the part that i've thought people wouldn't get mm-hmm. like you know i've talked to a few friends of mine and people are like dude when people see that you have that car they're <laughs> immediately going to hate you and i'm like why and i mm-hmm. you know thinking about it and they're like well Cause they're just going to be like envious and be like, what the fuck this dude, mm. you know, doesn't even do anything. And he can like buy the, who's giving him this money. I, I don't know, whatever. So anyways, I was like, I, I mean, I can see that outcome and I hope that's not the outcome. And so far it's been like, dude, people have been super cool. Like all, all of my like friends and like even people in that unread section are sending mm. me messages like, Man, I've been following you for seven years. I remember when you were driving a fucking Nissan Versa with a quarter panel that was like fully bonded. 
and now you're like in a house of your own and like have three sports cars a van and a tesla like i that's fucking dope dude i'm really proud of you and i just like what this person's never messaged me before ever and they just like go out of their way to send me a message to say they're proud of me. Mm. And like I have had a I haven't had any I haven't had a single message. Like I had one dude ask me, he's like, How many hate messages have you gotten? I'm like, zero. Literally. Wow. I mean, I'm probably gonna get one now that someone's gonna <laughs> listen to this and be like, Fuck that guy. <laughs> but it, I thought it was like really interesting that so many people were stoked for me and I'm like, dude, this is so cool that the you know that's why I that's ultimately why my being true and like being reactive and trying to interact with the people that you're, mm-hmm. you know, that follow you. Like there's don't, there's like, if I was just like, say I was some person that had the same amount of followers, but I was completely an anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, I guarantee you the reactions would be completely different because they don't really know me. They haven't like followed my path since the beginning. They don't know what's happened. Like how many things I've like all I've done to get to where I am and all the path that I've done, which to be realistic, like even if I was anonymous, you still don't know that path or maybe you do, you you know, might know some pieces of it, but you can't really like, you shouldn't judge people regardless if they're anonymous or not, because you don't know the path, but because Mm -hmm. I've shared the path and so many people have followed me through the path, they like, you know, they assimilate with what I've gone through and how I've been able to make success of what I have. So it's like, it's kind of cool to share that with the people that I interact with on a you know daily basis. Cause I, I don't think, you know, when I was 20 years old that I would, be, I hated social media when I was younger because I thought it was like, I thought it was like a game that I sucked at, which I did. Most people suck at it. It's like a politics, like politics yeah. game. Like when I was in high school, you know, I had all these friends in high school that were like upper middle class and they were all like, oh yeah, my dad's going to set me up with this job. I'm going to be making like 80 grand a year right out of high school. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. fuck you. I'm going to be working at fucking Shane's Rib Shack over here making $10 an hour or actually mm-hmm. seven thirty-five an hour working my ass off, slinging pork around something that I hated. Um, but yeah, like I just thought, hey, social media is exactly like these kids getting stuff handed to them. And it, I was wrong. Social media is definitely hard work. It's a lot harder than I think most people think. But um, you got to like have an idea of what you want and you have to go for it. And you can't be scared, I guess, is the the moral of the story. And you can be scared, but you just got to keep doing it. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's a great conclusion to the the topic, which was, you know, the, the risk and rewards of, of social media. Um, yeah. That was a great, great conversation. Uh, I learned a lot about you, which I'm myself surprised because I thought I knew quite a bit already, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, I don't think any of this stuff I've ever said on a podcast. So you have Uh, exclusive information. uh, Yes, I feel special. (laughs) I try to make the most out of it in this episode then, because, you know, one thing that I really appreciate, by the way, is you coming on on my podcast that I, you know, it's only season two and I haven't advertised it that much, but... uh, you're taking the time to to do this and I really appreciate it because I know that you're busy and even if you're not busy, I know you have your life, your own life. I know we haven't spoken face to face like this for uh, three years. My God, three years. And you're still doing it and it means a lot. So so thanks as well for being, you know, that, that person. It means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
All right, I think I need to, because I try to keep them short usually in my episode, and I think we're recorded for, I don't know. How long one hour to... and 38 minutes. So <laughs> that's far. not too bad. That's actually, that's okay. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, if I think that I asked you everything I wanted to know, but um, if I ever think of something else uh, in the future, another topic, I would be happy to, you know, have you again. Yeah, um, anytime. Here. Seriously, and, I am. Uh, um, now that I'm home, like the whole, I think the issue with, I was doing like Q and A's on discord pretty regularly, like once a week, um, which I have like this, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to promote it, so I won't even talk about it, but there's a discord server that I'm, you know, pretty influential okay. on and I go on there and I, uh, mm-hmm. well, like have a Q and A and it generally is just, you know, people running it that I'm very appreciative of that I really have like hands off. Uh, hands off on this discord server mm-hmm. and it's like kind of based around my social media platform and yeah I, I was like trying to contribute as much as I could because obviously these people are in this group and they you know they're there to interact with each other but it is my group so they're like also would like to interact with me so I was doing that as frequently as I could and it was like getting to the point where I was doing it every week and then I started doing this thing when I drove out across the country and like was going through some rough times and um, then I started doing all this work and, uh, I have like a level yeah. of quality that I want to uphold. Like now that you've seen this camera and this audio experience, like <laughs> I don't want to just sit on my yes. phone and be like, Hey guys, what's going on? Even though it's like perfectly adequate, I think people wouldn't even care. Mm-hmm. But like for some reason I have this like concept of, I want that experience to be nice and you know i want to be able to take the time to sit down and like give people my attention and if i don't feel like i'm in the position to give my attention then i don't want to do it because it's not as genuine as it could be if i did sit down and like actually give my attention and it sounds kind of weird because i could just like take time out of my day to go do this discord server thing but it's like not Mm -hmm. i want to make sure that when i interact with people that i'm giving them the actual true honest time of day and it's not just like oh i fucking gotta do this let me go on here and get it done like that's the worst that you, you don't want to do that i don't want to ever get to that point that i feel like i have to do something like sometimes i'm a little pushed yeah to make a youtube video because i haven't made one in a while but i'm not gonna like go out of my way to go fly it just so happens that generally when that comes around like something in the back of my head switches and I want to fly even though I don't mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. a couple of days ago so it's like I generally get excited yeah. and like inspired to go fly maybe I'll see some video online um, and I think a lot of people mm-hmm. you know back in the day I used to get inspired by other pilots a lot more and then there was like a period of time where I didn't really even watch any FPV at all and I just draw my inspiration from other things whether that's like skateboarding or climbing or mm-hmm. uh, music And then more recently, since this like cinema kind of thing has taken over, like some of these things, like Andrew Yu, uh, Benoit, uh, Blaster, like some of these dudes, there's even a couple other European dudes um, that I follow that I will message and be like, dude, your shit is super inspirational. I don't even, like I don't even fly that style stuff and I want to do it because of what you just posted. So it's like really cool to interact with people now that are like inspiring in a different way. And I think that's one thing that you could take away from this is like you don't have to be the best pilot to do something that's inspirational. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a concept, like the concept of what you're doing with FPV 
is like a whole new thing. And I'm like constantly waiting for this like next era or next wave of certain things. Like, you know, when I was like 2015 flying FPB 2016, I was like, well, you know, in a couple of years, there's going to be like 15 year old kids that are five times as good as me at FPB. And it's like, yeah. you know, I was waiting for that for a long time. And there were people that were super, super good. And I was like really impressed by them. But then I started to realize it's not really how good you are. It's like how you inspire people to go out and do the thing that mm -hmm. you're doing. So like when I looked at yeah. the FPV that I was doing, it was like, you know what? I enjoy what I do and people enjoy what I do. So like whether or not I'm the best FPV pilot, like that doesn't really matter anymore where I thought it did when it was in like 2015, 2016. I'm like, I have to be the best. I have to be the best at freestyle. This is my niche niche. This is like my thing. I have to be the best at this type of flying where now it's just like, dude, I'm going to fly and have fun doing what I like to do. And if you guys enjoy it and you think I'm good, that's cool. But I'm just going to keep doing it. I, I mean, I do enjoy being skilled at something. I'm not going to lie. I like, I, I feel yes, like I'm good course. at FPV. I don't feel like I'm the best, but I'm good enough to do the things that I want to do without like a lot of effort. Like I don't have to go be like, I want to do that and I'm going to sit here all day until I get it done. I'm going to break all my cameras. Like ultimately that's not how I fly. The only thing I've ever done that with is that, mm -hmm. that ladder dive. Yes. That's literally the only thing <laughs> that, good. that I've spent more than like 30 minutes trying. Um, and yeah. it was like a couple days of, you know, maybe 30 minutes of like lining it up and then like breaking something. And I didn't break any cameras yeah. or anything, but my a apex, you know, the, the rear plate, the rear yeah. plate broke right behind where yeah. they connect. And when it broke, it ripped the ESC, FC, everything. It just ripped everything. It didn't like, if that carbon piece hadn't broken, it wouldn't have killed anything. But because it did break, mm. it just like ripped everything in half, basically. So like the whole quad was fucked. <laughs> so it was kind of yeah. stupid. Like it ripped the, the balance or the, the main battery lead up into the flight yeah. controller and the flight controller ripped off and then the receiver was shorted out and like literally i think the only thing that survived on that quad was like the front half of the frame the video transmitting antenna and the camera and the motor and like one mm -hmm. motor and i think everything else was fucked so yeah it was kind <laughs> of a it was the only quad that i've ever really like totaled per se on a trick <laughs> Like generally I don't yeah. total things. Um, I know what my limits are and I'm not going to just keep doing a trick until I get it. Yeah. I was surprised, but I loved it. I loved that, that, that video. I was holding my breath cause you know, obviously you didn't spoil when that would happen. So I was like, oh, that's going to be this time. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> and then I saw day two. I'm like, oh my God, when is it going to happen? Dude, <laughs> it was actually, I'm sorry you lost. Yeah. I'm sorry you lost the drone, but for the, from the audience point of view, I found it super entertaining. And at the end, you know, the, the appreciation, you're like, yes, do you feel as good? Probably not as good as you, but very close to <laughs> your feeling. Yeah. That was, a, well, I was like astounded that video. it did it twice. I was like, yes. Oh, I'm just going to line it up again, whatever. <laughs> and just like happens. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that dude I think close to you said did you do it a second time and you're like yeah <laughs> that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah I don't yeah. think it would have been as satisfying if I didn't do it that second time I feel like if I had just done it <laughs> once it would have been like yeah anybody can do that but 
the fact that I did it right after it a second time, even better than the first time, was like, okay. Mm. He had that dialed yeah, in. That I almost awesome. went for a third time. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Two's good. But nah, don't push it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, thanks a lot for for coming here, sharing what you shared today. I feel like it, it was, at least I was super interested in it. So I hope more people will be interested as well. And um, I'm not going to tell people to follow you on social media. I mean, <laughs> I could, but they probably well, already I'm going to tell <laughs> people to follow you. So you can post this and then I'll <laughs> share the shit out of it. Because I, I think this is the most intimate conversation that I've had th in a podcast about like my personal life. Like I talk about my personal life mm -hmm. before, but like I've never gone into detail about like my, you know, me having a goal of meeting someone and like having children and you know, my financial <laughs> goals of when I was like 16 years old and how I worked f for nothing and grew up in this, you know, middle-class thing. My parents yeah. that, you know, ultimately mm -hmm. I was an only child and it just, you know, I didn't, I've never gone into detail like that before. So hopefully okay. people listen and they're like, all right, I get it a little <laughs> bit, you know, but maybe not. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. It's well, two hours. I'll try to, to share. <laughs> yes, I'll try to share the... A lot, um, but um, obviously you have a better reach. So if you feel like you like it and you're happy with what you said, feel free to also advertise it. Um, okay. And yeah, cool. Um, I'd probably get you back and on this podcast, but for now I'm I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> All right. What is that dog's name? Ah, uh, that's Momo. Hold on, I'll show you Momo. I know Momo. you're more into cats. Yeah, no, I like, like dogs the... too. I like personalities. Oh, okay. I like animal personalities. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a discriminatory pet person, but if it has a cool personality, whatever it is, it could be a bearded dragon. And that thing looks pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> she Momo. is actually, she has a personality of a thief. She will steal everything she can. Right now she's looking at my desk to see if she can sneak anything. <laughs> and and then, yeah, she this video, because I have camera in my house to check on her, and mm -hmm. there's videos of her sneaking and, you know, stealing these kind of things and taking it in the in the garden and it's actually hilarious. So maybe you would like Momo. She's a good she's a good one. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. My for friend uh, Ploy has a dog named Momo as well. Ah, yeah. I don't know. It's the girl I went climbing with tonight. She has a dog named Momo. It's funny. I don't know. I've never heard that name yeah. before. But you know, it's a steering wheel brand, right? Is that yes, what you guys named so her after? Uh, I wanted it because it was Japanese and I thought I'm onigiri. If I have a dog, it would be nice to have a Japanese name. And I like Japan. So Momo is very popular. But then because my partner um, is into drift, um, when I said yeah. Momo, he said, yeah, 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 let's call Momo. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, thanks for everything. And um, hopefully one day you can come here in real life and, and meet Momo. And we'll record a, a podcast. I actually was talking the other day about going to Japan, New Zealand, and Australia all in one hit at some point nice. in the next year. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. I've been saying that for a while, but like obviously the last year was not a great time to go to these places. Definitely. Um, but, <laughs> and you know, I don't know what Australia's lockdown scenario is. We should save that for the next podcast. Yes, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> 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 all right thanks everybody for joining today um don't forget to follow onigiri and co i'm on instagram my usual co-host is lexi so you can also find links to my podcast on her profile on instagram mayon high 
And yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for joining today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. See ya.